The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. <laughs> Hells fans, and welcome to part one of our Southwest Division preview. I'm your host, Preston Ells, and today we are talking with Mark King of Grizzly Bear Blues. What's up, Mark? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. This is something really cool that I want to do for our listeners, and I'm so thrilled to have you because for those listening, Mark is a coordinating producer in sports TV, and he's the video content producer for both SB Nation NBA as well as Grizzly Bears Blues, the site dedicated to the obviously Memphis Grizzlies. Mark also hosts the 3 and D podcast dedicated to these same Grizzlies. That is a great title, Mark. Well done. Uh, you can also follow him at King underscore producer. Mark, did I miss anything? I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. No, you got it all. I know it's a lot, but uh, you got it all. Yeah, you sound like a busy guy. So thank you so much for taking the time. Again, let's get right to it. Let's get to your Grizzlies. They finished 43-39 and 39 last uh, last season, good enough for the seventh seed, and tied the Spurs 2-2 two to two in the first round of the playoffs before losing 4-2. What is your take on last season's performance, and what is the mood in Memphis right now? Um, I think I think people probably uh, in Memphis are probably mostly I think largely disappointed in the season for last year. But I also think that a lot of those same people don't um, understand or they take for granted that the amount of times the Grizzlies have made the playoffs in in the Western Conference and just making the playoffs in the Western Conference is a huge feat in and of itself. And so a lot of those people are uh, forget that before they started making the playoffs, there was a long hard road of. Uh, once the season ends, everybody else is having fun and you're just sitting there. So um, I think it was okay. I think it went well. I think it was probably a, um, I, I think it was probably a successful season. Anytime you make the playoffs in the Western Conference, I consider that a success. So um, and there's nothing really like a playoff game uh, in the FedEx Forum. It's it's super fun. Uh, those those first games, those, those games at home, or even though they were lost, they were uh, were, were really really good. Um, so I. I I thought it was a largely, uh, largely well-received season for the most part. 
Uh, and you guys have, uh, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you guys have been in the playoffs much of the past eight years, which is uh, famously known as the grit and grind era. But uh, now you guys just keep finding ways to weasel your way into the playoffs, no matter uh, what people say about your team. It's not the the sexiest team. It's just a hardworking group of guys like Tony Allen and Zach Randolph, these guys who have been there for eight and six years, respectively. Talk a bit about those losses, how it might change the culture of the team, and what you're expecting from newbies like Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore. Before I, I let you do that, just for our listeners, Ben McLemore tore his uh, or broke his fifth metatarsal, which is the same injury as rookie Frank Jackson, so he could miss up to 12 weeks. Sorry. Go ahead, Mark. No, no. Um, you know, Zach Randolph and, and Tony Allen, those um, – you know, those were the guys that were the, like you said, the grit and grind era. Those were the guys that uh, would, would play the bully ball uh, as we kind of throw it around. Um, and so losing those guys, it, it hurts. It's going to uh, be very different. It's going to be a very different looking team. Um, you know, Zach left, he got uh, $24 million from the Kings. And I think Zach's leaving and Tony leaving were two very different things. Um, Zach leaving, I think it was more of a financial situation where the Grizzlies just weren't in a, a situation to, um, put in that much money to an aging power forward. I mean, Zach could still play. He showed last year he could still put the ball in the basket. And so I think if it were the money were a little bit different, I think he might be back on the team, but it just unfortunately wasn't. As far as Tony's concerned, I, you know, he, he was different because, um, you know, he's out here signing for vet minimum. I mean, the Grizzlies, it's not that they didn't try to keep him. They didn't want to keep him. It was a decision where they wanted to move on. Uh, from Tony Allen into a different and, and, and moved to more players like Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore. So they wanted to have a very different looking team. Uh, the front office did uh, much to a lot of fans, you know, because they, there are a lot of fans in Memphis that have grown up and they only know Tony Allen. They only know Zach Randolph, people that were 10, 11, when they first started really enjoying basketball. And now they're, you know, in their late teens and early twenties, and these people, all they know is Tony Allen and Zach Randolph. So it's a big thing for those guys to leave the Grizzlies. Um, as far as the new co- newcomers are concerned, I'm not really excited about uh, Ben McLemore. Um, I think that especially after where the money he signed for, after the market kind of um, flattened out in free agency, was signed really early. After the market kind of flattened out, there was a lot of people that um, signed for a lot less money that are a lot better ball players than he is. And so then you have someone like Tyreek Evans, who I think can really, really help in the changing of that d- dynamic of having someone coming in in the second unit and really score the basketball. And that's really what the, str- the Grizzlies struggled with last year. Is once that second unit came in, the offense just was non-existent. And so uh, having someone like that uh, will really help in the second unit. I want to ask you a bit more about uh, Tony Allen. You said that the the Grizzlies basically had the opportunity to bring him back, but elected not to. They just want him to move on. Should Pelicans fans be concerned by this? He's 35, but he still finished uh, second or on the second All NBA defensive team last season. Uh, talk a bit about his game. Why you think the Grizzlies chose to move on, and what he could potentially bring to New Orleans? Um. Tony Allen is, is, is an enigma. Uh, he is – be ready to be frustrated. Uh, frustrated and happy all in a matter of two possessions. Uh, he, he is, you know, he is an aging shooting guard that can't shoot and seems to have been hurt the last three years going into the postseason and didn't really play in the playoffs. And so I think that's largely why the Grizzlies tried to decide that they wanted to move on was the fact that 
you have a guy who's playing a position who is a specialist, but not a shooting specialist. He's a specialist in a very, very unique way, especially in this landscape of the NBA. And so there's this guy that doesn't really um, do a whole lot of things, uh, but then he's going out there and he's just, he's creating havoc. He's just making extra possessions out of nothing. And so um, they decided that, you know, having someone else in that position who could probably uh, contribute more to the offensive end uh, was more what they wanted. But, but Tony Allen is, a, is still a good player. He is still good for what he is. He will be able to be out there as long as you surround him with players, you know, that are, are they could put the ball in the basket and you have DeMarcus Cousins and uh, Anthony Davis and, and Drew Holiday. And the, those guys can put the ball in the bucket. If you put him out there with, their, with the starting lineup and he's just your wing and he's, your, he's just out there to, to make people angry and poke the ball loose and get defensive stops, that is where he that is where he succeeds. That is where he excels. So I think it's a really good fit for the Pelicans, honestly. Um, he, he, I think as long as he can stay healthy, and that's always a caveat that's been with him for the past couple of years, is he has to be able to stay healthy. And so, you know, he is an aging guy, and father time has caught up with him very quickly. And so – I'm, you know, I would expect him to miss games this year. He'll have several injuries, but you hope that he's, that you hope that he is available at the right time when you need him going down the stretch and in in later in the year. Uh, now, with Zach Randolph's departure, the Grizzlies will probably be expecting a lot of second-year, four-year, ninety-five million-dollar man Chandler Parsons. And also, you guys have a pretty important restricted free agent, Jamichael Green, who, uh, by my uh, accounts, has not been re-signed as of yet. What can Pelicans fans expect to see from these two? Will they both be playing? And what are you expecting from them this season? Um, Chandler Parsons is uh, something we talked about. Uh, Joe and I have, on our, our 3 and D podcast, have gotten into argument already on one episode, and I'm sure we'll get in more arguments about Chandler Parsons. Uh, but, you know, going back to, to when the Grizzlies signed Chandler Parsons, and, you know, uh, he was the best available person in the small forward category or the wing category that was available as that free agent that year. And so the Grizzlies did what any other team would do, and they went out and got the best available talent, um, say with Portland, and I know there were other teams interested as well. So it's hard to go back and say you shouldn't have done that when we didn't know what was going to happen in the first place. Um, the injuries are obviously – it happens. It's not great, but it's what it is. Um, from all accounts, though, he's, you know, he's supposed to be healthy. Um, so for, for us, I think as, as long as you have someone who can come out and stretch the floor and shoot the three ball reasonably well uh, with Mark and Mike out there, that is really what you look for. And so I think around the 12 to 13 points a game uh, range uh, would be great for him. And so I know that's, that's – not a lot for a guy who's making max money, um, but that is where, honey, that's where we are with Chandler Parsons, though. I mean, we know he's not been healthy. He's been having so many problems. So as long as you can come out and just get, a, you know, a 12, 13, 14 points a game, that helps out the offense a lot. And so, you know, hopefully he can do that. Hopefully he won't be bogged down by injuries again. Um, obviously, this is all – we just don't know. There's just so much of the unknown. He didn't – he only played in – I think 36 games last year. He only it was just very all over the place. So hoping for, hopefully for him, he can turn it around. And with Jamichael Green, um, you know it's it's kind of a weird situation. Uh, the last thing that I heard was that um, Jamichael Green wanted two years, Grizzlies wanted three years, and they were stuck on years. I don't know if it was about the number of just more of it was um, they wanted Grizzlies kind of wanted him more long term 
And Jermichael's 27 or 28, I believe. And so, you know, what happens with him is the, the free agency market also really just wasn't there for, free, for um, you know, younger power forwards, kind of fringe starters uh, like him. It just, there was just no market out there for them this year. Um, and the market really flew out. These kind of really fell out from underneath him. And so once that happened, I think it was a point to where now he knew that that big contract he was expecting that, you know, three, four year deal or of $12, $13 million a year that he really wanted was not going to happen. And so once that kind of became a real situation, then he wants to go back and say, well, I only want two years because once I get to be 30, I'll still have more of my prime years left. I can try to get that big contract then. So he's still kind of betting on himself going for two years or less money that he can get that bigger payday. Because Jamichael Green is someone who's never had a big contract. He's only, I know he's 27, but he, he's never had a big contract. He only made, he made less than a million dollars last year with the Grizzlies. Um, and before that, he was in the D League. So, I mean, this is a guy who's played a lot of basketball and has never been really, really paid. So he's betting on himself. The contract is still unresolved as we're talking now. Um, I, would, I would probably, I mean, my guess is it probably lingers in a training camp. Uh, do you think he signs the qualifying offer a la Nerland's Noel? You know, that's, I actually tweeted, I actually said this about two, like, I think like three weeks after free agency started, and people thought I was a crazy person on Twitter. But it, it is, you know, it is, it is an option. I, I think that that is a real option for him. If he can't get the years he wants um, from the Grizzlies, if they can't, you know, if he wants two and they won't give him two, um, I think that's a real option to, for him to sign the qualifying offer. I mean, He's got an agent that's not very good at his job. I mean, his agent has, like, Jamaica Green and a couple of G League players, and that's it. Um, and his agent has done him not a whole lot of, just not a lot of service and leaking a lot of comments in the media and stuff like that here at Memphis. And so, um, you know, if, he's re- if he really, really wants to bet on himself, if Jamaica Green thinks that he is going to be better a year from now or two years from now, I think the qualifying offer looks to him like a realistic option. For me, I think it's a bad idea. I think he should go ahead and get what he get what he can get, you know, even that's five, six million dollars a year, even that low, take the two years or take the three years and then bet on yourself from there. Now, David Fisdale, let's talk coaching a bit. He got a lot of national attention during game two of the playoffs for referring to the the Spurs and or the refs as uh, they're not going to rook us and slamming the table and declaring, take that for data. Talk a bit about Fisdale, his coaching style and uh, his overall impression in Memphis right now. I, I like Fizdale. I think for the most part, people really like Fizdale. Um, they like he's very active in the community here in Memphis. Um, he is very he is very much implanted himself in the city and has you know referred to it as Fizz City. He he stayed here in the office and didn't go back to Miami. He lives here. I mean, full time now. So he is very much uh, a part of the Grizzlies organization uh, from the city from the coaching. But you know he's a he's a good coach too. I think that. A lot of times he struggles with lineup, um, but you see a lot of that in really young coaches and, and new head coaches. Um, but he struggles a lot with lineup. He struggles a lot to know when to kind of take guys, take, take guys out, rest guys, um, or when he, you know, when he should put guys in. And so that, that was his biggest, uh, I would say, downfall or problem last year is kind of realizing uh, when to ride guys or when to take them out or rest them or what lineups work the best together. I mean, we could all see from the media just as, we know who's playing well, and then, um, you know, some people would get run, and, you know, it would just be really weird. But for the most part, I think he's a really good coach, and um, 
I think he's going to do well going forward. As far as the, the take that for data thing, that was a, you know, that was a big thing. I mean, nationally, just because I think it's for the fans and for the players too, it goes a long way for when a coach takes the player, you know, has the players back when everybody and the fans are going, Oh man, that was a terrible, terribly uh, ref game. And it, and it, and for that game he's referring to, it was a bad, badly ref game. And so when everybody on Twitter sees it, when everybody in the media sees it, all the fans see it, and you know, the players definitely can understand it. They're getting frustrated visibly on the court. And then you have a coach that goes and does, it kind of stands up for his city, for his team, for his fans, and say, hey, I'm not going to let this slide. That goes a long way for the fans. I think that catapulted him to being a coach anybody liked to a coach that everybody rooted for. Yeah, it definitely was a, a breakout performance, you could say. Uh, not not just that, but you guys went back into Memphis the next game and won the next two games at home as a seventh seed against a Spurs team by uh, all opinions could have taken Golden State to the wire. So a bit of a breakout from him and uh, and a really fun quote. You spoke a little bit about his lineups and uh, – uh, his tendency to to throw some stuff around that that can be a bit unpredictable. And you've also got a lot of young players like Dylan Brooks, Deontay Davis, James Ennis, Aaron Harrison, and Wade Baldwin. What are you expecting from the young guys this season, and how much will they have to contribute to get you guys back to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of – for right now, the Grizzlies have a lot of players, period. I think they have like 20 on the roster, uh, which is way too many uh, as it stands. So. There's a lot of guys, you know, a lot of the names you mentioned that, that may not even make the team, uh, that may not even be on the team open, you know, opening night. And so uh, they're going to have to cut three to four guys before they can, they can play a game. And so there are a lot of these guys that, that, that you know, are, are very on the fringe of making the team. And so people like, you know, uh, Terrell Martin, I, we don't really – I don't expect to, make, to be on the team opening night. Um, Dylan Brooks, I, I think he'll be there. I'm not sure if he'll do anything. Uh, I think he'll spend some time in the G League as a call-up. Not as a 2A, but as a call-up. Uh, James Ennis, I think, will have a, a role in the um, with the Grizzlies organization. I'm not sure what the role will be. Um, Harrison, still yet to be determined. And for right now, I think, as, as everything's considered, he'll be the backup point guard. Um, so I think he'll have largely the same role he had last year. And... I think it's because a lot of that Andrew Harrison's role stems from the trust that he already has from David Fisdale. And so you spent a year growing through him and he was, sometimes he was terrible. Sometimes he was okay. Uh, every once in a while he was good. And so, you know, it's just kind of like, we've already done this before. Let's just let him keep doing what he's doing. And I think that's probably the only reason he has the backup point guard position kind of sealed up. And so that will determine how they play Tyreek. I know people want to see Tyreek's a point guard, but he's not a point guard. Never played point guard, um, largely in a huge number since he's been in the uh, league. So that will really depend on. And then Wade Baldwin, again, is a person I'm not sure he's going to be on the roster opening night. So um, if he is, he'll spend a lot of time in the G League just like he did last year. He is not ready by all accounts to play in the NBA. Um, neither is Deontay Davis. He, he is too afraid to shoot the ball. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think Deontay Davis has a skill set that can translate to the NBA, but I'm not sure if he gets the opportunity this year. Uh, the other person you didn't mention, which is probably the most, I would say the, the young guy's probably going to get the most run and most chances is Wayne Selden, um, a guy that we, you know, we signed and uh, was really, really good in summer league. And for him, with Ben McLemore's injury, um, I think Ben McLemore probably – 
won't be back until 1st of November. And so you're going to have a couple weeks there in the season for Wayne Sel- for players like Wayne Selden and James Ennis to really show this Grizzlies team and this coaching staff if they have the tools to make it, if they have the ability to make it. And this is a guy, Wayne Selden, when Tony Allen got hurt last year in the playoffs, he had to go in and guard Kawhi Leonard and did an okay job. I mean, he wasn't great, but it's Kawhi Leonard, first of all, and he was a rookie. I mean, like, this is a guy that did an okay job. And so I think Wayne Selden is the guy in the Grizzlies organization that probably has stands the most to gain from Ben McElmore's injury and just getting time overall. Uh, as you probably know, the Pelicans had Wayne Selden last year. They had him on a second 10-day contract before they they let yeah. him roam free. And uh, he played, and I believe he started all six games in the playoffs last year for the Grizzlies. Is he someone the Pelicans are going to regret letting go? You know, I hope so. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, we've we've had our fair share of those we uh, that we have that we've cut. Um, there was I can't remember the the fellow uh, the guy's name Williams who went to the Rockets. So we cut last year for Tony Douglas, and then Wynn signed a contract with the Rockets and played in every playoff game for the Rockets. And so Troy Williams, that, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so we, you know, the Grizzlies have done that probably too many times to count. But I do think Wayne Selden. Um, I was at summer league this year. I got to watch him in person every game. And so um, I think that he has all the tools to make it an NBA. I think he's uh, he's an above-average three-point shooter. He's a really good defender. He's got the size. He's got the length. And so I think he, cause he's, he's the, probably the, the youngest person on the Grizzlies that stands that has the most impact. Uh, thank you so much for your time again, Mark. Before we uh, preview the opening night matchup against the Pels, I just want to ask you quickly about your two stars. Mike Conley, who averaged 21-6 and six last year on 46% shooting. He was the uh, most extens- expensive man in the NBA for uh, one year at least. And Marcus Gasol, who at 32 still finished with 26-5. and five. Talk about their performances last season and what you're expecting from them in 2017-18. You know, for Mike, I think Mike um, is the one player that benefited the most from David Fisdell becoming the head coach of the Grizzlies. Uh, the best thing that ever happened to Mike Conley was David Fisdell. So he went last year and elevated his game even more uh, than he already had. And he's already been the player that most people not overlooked, but, you know, when you talk about point guards, there are probably eight or nine that you talk about before you get to Mike. Um, and Mike's a top-ten point guard in the league. He's a really good He's a really good player. He started the ball even better than he had ever done from three-point uh, last year. And so I think for him, I think he will take another step. I think he will move into the 22-23 point a game uh, playing this year. I think he stands the most to benefit from David Fisdell, uh being on the Grizzlies. It remains to be seen. Again, those guys around Mike that he's passing the ball to, i.e. Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore and Wayne Selden, all these people who, you know, or will be the guys shooting off of Mike's passes if his assist numbers will go up or, or stay the same. And so, uh, but I do anticipate his scoring to go up. I anticipate it to uh, be even better this year. I think he'll continue to shoot the ball well from three. And so I, I expect a lot of bigger things than Mike. Um, Especially now that Zebo is gone, there's a lot of points that you have to that you have to uh, replace. And Tony, not so much, but Zebo um, was scoring 17 points a game last year, so it wasn't. But you know, it wasn't like he was only scoring nine points. It's not a lot to replace. So Michael has to step up even more. As far as Mark's concerned, uh, I think that people always want Mark to be this guy 
that he isn't. He, people always want him to be this aggressive center and just shoot the ball like crazy, but he's just not going to do that. He's never been like that before. Um, he's never consistently done that in, in any year leading up to this. So I don't think he's going to do it now. And so that's not what we should expect from Mark. But Coach David Fisdale did have a stepping out to three-point range. He's done that in EuroLeague as well. That's something he continued to work on and become a legitimate three-point threat, uh, even more so than it was last year. So Mark will continue to be the same. I think he'll continue to be that guy. I think we always want him to do better on rebounding. It's not one of his strong suits because he plays from the elbow a lot. But that's one of the guys that you need – you need him to get better, especially from the outside to stretch the defense more. Um, and so Mark is really kind of remains to be seen. I think people with the proper expectations won't be disappointed. Because people, when they go into the season, think Mark should be this guy that shoots all the time. And frankly, he should. But that's just not his personality. Has never been like that. And I don't think will ever be like that. Pelicans fans will remember favorably the last uh, matchup with the Grizzlies. It was at the Smoothie King Center on March 17th when Boogie had, uh, by all his uh, accounts, his best game. He scored 41, uh, shot five threes, uh, 17 rebounds. We won 95 to 82, and he had his uh, famous quote during the presser thanking the referees because he had been getting a, uh, I don't know, it's an opinion-based thing, but uh, a, a bad string of calls from officials in, in previous games. So that was one where where he finally did reach the foul line uh, in the into the double digits. We've got four matchups with them this year. Uh, we start the season on October 8th, 18th, uh, excuse me, against the Grizzlies in New Orleans, I believe. And then we have January 10th, January 20th, and April 4th. Talk a little bit about this matchup from the Grizzlies' perspective, and then just finish up by how do you think the Grizzlies finish this season? So this is a really interesting matchup, especially historically DeMarcus Cousins hates playing Marcus Hall. Um, uh, DeMarcus Cousins has, visibly, has always been visibly frustrated with Mark when he plays him. Um, it's just a style of play that Mark plays. It's very physical, uh, especially under the basket, and that is historically frustrated DeMarcus. I don't know if it's more so than other teams, but, uh, you know, just from that, you know, looking from the Grizzlies' point, he's always uh, had trouble with Mark. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the last game, and that was probably – I think that's his best game he's ever had against the Grizzlies. Um, and so, but like you mentioned, he also got a lot of the calls. And so with the Grizzlies, the way they come out and the way they start playing is most is different than most teams. The way they start playing is very physical from the first whistle. And so they kind of set the bar for the rest. Um, they're just so physical from, from, the, from the starting point all the way to the end point. That's just how they play or they've played in the years past that it's very hard for the rest to, once they start and let that, let all those things go and kind of let the Grizzlies set the tempo and set the bar of how physical they're going to be. Then the refs have to go back, and it then has to be really something like just crazy for them to call call a foul. And so, a lot of times, Demarcus has gotten really frustrated by that, uh, committed technical fouls, which he does in not just the Grizzlies games, but most games. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see is how well he matches up with Mark. Again, history has shown us he doesn't played well against Mark, and so that leaves the go to Anthony Davis and who will really stop Anthony Davis. And so, which is not really going to stop either one of those guys. You can only hope to limit them. And so you have someone like Jermichael Green, which I'm not sure he can do a good job of that. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to get Anthony Davis off the boards enough to where he's not getting offensive rebounds. And so I think that's, that's going to be the, the biggest test. Man. You have those two guys in the front court that are both so good, and you only have one Marc Gasol, and that's kind of the problem. Um, and Anthony Davis gets the better of Marc Gasol every time down the court that they're, they're playing against each other. And so – then you look at the guards, and you have, uh, you know, you have Mike and you have Drew Holiday. I think that's a really good matchup too. 
Um, so I think it's really going to come down to the kind of those wings and the, the twos play in the two and the three. And for the Grizzlies, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to envision um, what's going to happen in that game when we don't really know who it's going to be. You don't really even know if Tyreek's going to move to the starting lineup because of the Ben Bacamore injury. Um, I think they'd probably keep him on the bench and coming off as kind of a super sub. And, you know, that way you have points in the second unit. So that's really difficult to tell. But just, you know, as far as just, a, you know, the preview of what we think the Grizzlies are going to do for their big guys, I think it's going to really come down uh, to those two guys and, and slowing down Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, which it probably always will for the Pelicans because they're the two best players that you have. So I think it's going to be a good game. I personally, we did our pick em show. Uh, on the three and D podcast episode, a couple of the first couple episodes and um, of this season. And we did our pickup show. I think I had Joe and I both had the uh, Grizzlies winning the first matchup in at home, uh, but losing to the matchup at, in the uh, Smoothie King center. So I think, I think we'll see the series go two and two this year. I think each team will win the home matchup. Let me just ask you one more question if I can, because you mentioned Tyreek Evans as your super sub and we kindly are going to use uh Tony Allen in the same instance. How is it going to feel emotionally for you when Tyreek Evans checks into the game at like the two minute mark in the first quarter and you see Tony Allen sitting across from him in a Pelicans jersey coming in to, to thwart him, so to speak? You know, it's it's definitely going to be different. Like I said, you know, there, there's a lot of people, including myself, that for so long we just know Tony Allen. It, it's going to be a very – I don't think it's even really set in very much yet. I don't know if it's really – really set in with a lot of people until we see, um, you know, Tyreek Evans come out, come on uh, and check in at the end of the first quarter. And then Tony Allen pop right up and, and go right in and set the guard. him. And so um, it's, it kind of sucks because I know what Tony Allen can do and frustrating players and, and really limiting offensive players. But, you know, I'm not sure it's really set in for myself or any others that it's, it's going to, it's going to be different. You know, it's been a lot of years that we've shown Tony Allen in the Grizzlies uniform. And to see him in another one and see Zach Randolph in another one is going to be very different, um, especially with Tony Allen coming back very first game uh, back to Memphis. It's going to be uh, it. It will there will probably be a lot of uh, not not a whole lot of dry eyes in the in the arena. Thank you so much for taking the time, Mark. Again, you guys can find Mark contributing to SB Nation's NBA Grizzly Bears Blues and hear his podcast Three and D. Uh, again, a great title. You guys can also follow him at king underscore producer and thank all of you for tuning in this is only part one so just continue checking back for our interview with representatives from the spurs and the mavericks tomorrow night and the rockets on wednesday thank you to ali casell our editor make sure you go over to thebirdrights.com for all the latest on the pels including the latest on dante cunningham breaking history and why three-point shooting is overrated i've been preston ellis and uh mark before i send you off plug yourself what do you hope fans of this podcast check out going forward of your work yeah, we'd love people to come over and listen to the 3 and D podcast. We always do a uh, a ten to fifteen minute segment, uh, just inter- uh, It's just NBA news for NBA fans, and then we do the last thirty to forty minutes on on the Grizzlies. We've got a a bunch of really cool segments coming up this year uh, with myself and uh, my partner Joe Walters. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We we we, we joke around a lot. We've got a new segment this week coming out. The funniest thing we saw this week, which is got a lot of good stuff uh, we've got a lot of good interviews lined up throughout the year with not only uh people people from memphis but also uh people from every other uh every other team kind of previewing all our matchups as too so uh you know if you're you're a fan of another team and you're playing the grizzlies come over and check out the three and d podcast you could probably uh glean a little bit of information about the matchup and what you can expect from both teams
All right. Thanks so much, Mark, for your time. We'll talk to you again, uh, hopefully soon into the season. And for all our listeners, let's go, pals. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Technology Truths. Brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.